It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. All right, diving in. How to partner with schools and reach unchurched teens. So my name is Joe Elliott. I'm the founder and executive director of the Catalyst Collective. So we've been around uh, about eight years as a nonprofit, started out as a youth ministry. And, uh, and before I get into kind of a little bit our story, it sets up what we're gonna talk about. I wanna share a couple of things that, that you need to know about us and the way we think about things philosophically, theologically, however you wanna put it. One is this, and I know you guys agree with this. Every, every ministry, every person is 100% unique, right? We all come into this with our own unique mix of life experiences, passions, talents, personality types, spiritual gifts, all of that. And so we're all different. So we come to conferences like this and you, you hear from what other people are doing. There's never a one size fits all strategy. You gotta take broad concepts and figure out how to contextualize them into your specific situation. And we can help you with that. So we're, we're gonna paint a broad stroke, but ultimately, right, we believe that everybody is different and you gotta, you gotta figure out you. Um, number two is we do what we call a holistic approach to discipleship. So here's what, a, here's what we mean by that. Um, normally in the church world, right, we are pros. We are experts in the world at spiritual discipleship. That is our wheelhouse. Unfortunately, we don't spend a whole lot of time developing people personally or professionally. Right? We send them out. We like outsource them. Oh, you're looking for a job, a career path, or you need counseling. Go here, go there, go there. But in, in our opinion, we were missing out because most of the world, especially the world we live in today, like the, those professional and personal spheres of discipleship is where everybody is looking for help and support. The spiritual side of things, not so much, right? And so when we look at this holistic approach to discipleship, we found that if we, can, if we can lead people personally, professionally, and spiritually, it engages and empowers them faster and further. So, and just a side note, this is the way the school system is heading. They're almost being forced to head this way. Whereas the schools traditionally in the past focused on the educational development of the team, but now they're realizing, no, we gotta do more than that. What about their mental health? What about you know what's happening at home they're trying to take on more and more elements this is where it's headed and so if if as a church we can grasp that and, and start to ask ourselves how do we disciple and lead people outside of just the spiritual realm we're, we're going to be putting ourselves in a really really good spot so number three is this to lead others effectively ultimately we feel like we only need to know three things that is where a student has been, where they're at now, and where they want to go. Period. Any human being. Where are you at? Where have you been? Where do you want to go? Most of the time, we got a good pulse on some of those, but not all three of them. Right? I, if we were to list out all our teams, we would be able to make a graph and I'd say, do I know where every team that God has given me, where they've been, where they're at, where they want to go? Because when we do that, we start to see that I can't just create 
a year's worth of programs in a one-size-fits-all kind of variety and hope that they can just apply it to their unique, you know, path. It doesn't, it's difficult, it's difficult. So what we started to do with the Purpose Project and the foundation of the book is start to create a system to where as leaders, we could have a map, a roadmap of where everybody has been, where they're at and where they wanna go and then use that to kind of figure out how we move forward as a ministry. So those are the three things you need to know about us. So here's how we got started. Um, 2011, I had an opportunity to do a, a, a mini session with a bunch of youth pastors in Texas. And what I asked them to do is the exact same thing I'm about to ask you to do. We got in a room, we had a big whiteboard, and I asked this question. If we had no idea what youth ministry was, right? It doesn't exist. There's no Doug Fields manual for this. All we know is that God has called us to a particular region to reach a group of young people, and that's it. No preconceived notions of what youth ministry is because it does not exist. What will we do? And so in that session, we started whiteboarding ideas on what we would do if God had sent us somewhere to reach young people with no history on it. And we came up with all these ideas. We took a step back, looked at it, and said, wow. None of us are doing that, because if we did, we'd get fired, because that's not our job. And that broke me as a youth pastor, personally. Because what I learned about myself in that moment was that I was specifically more wired to be outside of the church than inside of the church. And it was in that moment that I realized I'm not necessarily a traditional youth pastor. I need to position myself according to my strengths and my passions a little bit differently. So I went back to the church and I said, sat down with the senior pastor. I said, good news, bad news. Good news is um, I got a great idea. Bad news is I am so done with youth ministry. I don't think I can do this anymore. But I got an idea. And he was like, all right, go for it. Do whatever you want to do. Very, very fortunate to, to be under somebody like that. And so I took five high school interns that summer and we said, look, none of your friends are going to church. You can't get them to church. Why? What are they doing? What are their needs? What's going on in their life? And so the premise for what we're doing today came from high school kids who said, well, I mean, my friends are into music. They're into video games. They're into, you know, anime. They're into whatever it is. And we said, what if we just started there? So we came up with something that summer called the Academy of Awesome where we opened up to the community free classes, where teens could come in and they could do like short one hour classes on how to survive the zombie apocalypse, how to, they were doing archery, learning guitar lessons, how to speak Japanese, because anime was popular, right? How to do martial arts, sewing, it, it was so random and across the board, and teens started coming. In fact, it worked so well that we started to pilot it with young adults as well. And within 18 months time, our 25 person youth group had, had connected with over a thousand teens and young adults. And let me put this in context. We were a broke, ugly looking ghetto church. I mean, we were in a warehouse with no youth room. We had to meet in the unfinished part of the warehouse where 
I had kids sitting on couches that literally came from dumpsters. My operating budget was $500 a month. People drove by the church and no one in the city even knew it was a church. It just looked like an abandoned building because we had some ratty sign up in the front. It was terrible. We had no cool kids, no like charismatic speakers, none of that. So we had to get super inventive. And, and, so, and, and that's what we did. We said, all right, let's, let's reach out and let's meet the need. So that created a foundation for what became a holistic approach to discipleship. And we started building on it from there. In that same span of time, we also realized that if we're going to reach out in front and, and, and try to pull people in, that's going to be difficult because having the word church anywhere or not church or just knowing it is a church, that's a barrier in and of itself. We had parents that would not bring their kids to free classes because we live in a world that right they know if it's a church function, they're trying, they got an agenda and we're staying away from that. So what we also did is we created a parallel separate 501c3 organization, which we called Catalyst Teen Center. And then all of a sudden, the walls started to come down a little bit. And so I'll talk about that in, uh, in just a moment. But what happened as a, as a result of that is that a uh, year and a half, two years into this pilot of Catalyst Teen Center, the local schools reached out to us and said, hey, we heard about the free classes and what you're doing. That's awesome. Is there any way you can come and help us out? Like the schools, the public schools came and knocked on our door and asked for help. And we said, sure, what's the problem? They said, well, here's our problem. We got 100 kids hanging out in the parking lot every day after school. This is a major high school in Austin, Texas. There's fights, there's drug deals, there's police are getting involved. It's a complete mess. They got nowhere else to go. There's latchkey kind of kids. And sadly, ironically, across the street is a YMCA and a church. But they got nowhere to go. And we were like, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll try to help. Uh, can we use any of your facility? And they were like, well, everything's booked up except the cafeteria, but you can have the cafeteria. And we're thinking to ourselves, how do you get teens, to high school teens, to want to stay and hang out in their cafeteria after school? This is not going to fly very well. And so we started massaging the idea and said, well, let's, let's try this. Let's create a mobile teen center environment. And we did. We brought in pipe and drape, we brought in bean bags, we brought in inflatables, we broadcast video games on the wall, we set up a coffee bar, pool table, ping pong table, we set up cafeteria tables for art stations, for games, for tutoring, for mentoring. And then we opened it up, 2,500 person high school. And the first week, we see all the kids looking at it, walking by, like pointing, laughing. We had 20 kids that came in to check it out. And then we had 30, and then we had 40, and then we had 70, and then we had 90. Within the first year of running this program, we were only doing it once a week after school. We had 20 to 25% of the entire school population through the program. We averaged about 150 kids. We were overrun. And these were, bear in mind you, these were not your star athletes, your cheerleaders, your kids that these were the kids that didn't have identity, purpose, and belonging. These were the kids that weren't involved in anything else because they literally had nowhere else to go. They were your traditional at-risk teens. Other teachers came, other principals from around the district said, I, gotta, I heard about this because I got news coverage, and they said, all right, 
what is going on here? We've got to see this for ourselves. They walked in, they came, they sat down, they observed, and the first thing they said to me is, you know what is most amazing about what I'm seeing in this cafeteria? Is that out of the 100, 150 kids that are here right now, hardly any of them are on their cell phones because they were engaged in the environment, right? And so, what am I saying with this? Go start up an after hours program. Well, yeah, if you can do it and have the means to do it, we will give you the blueprint to do it because my God, it works. But there's other ideas too, because that may not be your niche and your thing. So let me get into it. Here it is. Ideas on partnering with schools and reaching on church teams. Um, number one, I would say this. Presentation matters, right? If you're going on a date for the first time or you're going on an interview, you're thinking about your appearance and how that's going to make an impact uh, or how that's going to be read by the person you're connecting with. I think too often, and I think stubborn, I think it's bad dogma, whatever you want to call it, we think to ourselves, well, I'm not going to compromise us being the church, so I'm going to storm into the school district and, and I'm going to be the church and they're either going to accept me for who I am or not. Well, that hasn't worked for like the last 30 years. I don't think it's going to work in the next 30. So when we look at presentation and how we present ourselves to the school district and the people around us, even the unchurched, I would ask us to be what, I, what we call prayerfully strategic. Like, do we know how the principal and the administration is really thinking about the schools? Do we, know, do we understand that? Like, or the church, what is their perception of the church? And, and how can we position it? Because if it's not favorable, then how can we change our approach? And that's where you just set up a parallel nonprofit that focuses on the other spheres of discipleship. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to lead with spiritual discipleship, but you shouldn't really in most cases anyway. You should lead with personal and professional discipleship and leadership. Because let me tell you, this is what happens when, that, when that's the case. We had someone, hardcore atheist, I don't want to say, like in Austin, you can't have, right, in, like many of your cities, you can't, youth pastors can't walk in and have lunches with students. Um, Young Life isn't allowed to meet on campus, none of that stuff, right? And so we had somebody who kind of did some digging on who we were, found out we were a faith-based group, and they stormed up to the district and they said, wait a minute, this group should not be in our cafeterias because they are a Christian organization and we don't let these others do it, so why are they getting our cafeterias? And you know what the district did? The district pushed right back and said, are you kidding me? This is a group that's going in and leading our kids personally, professionally. Look at the classes they're doing. Look at the amount of kids that are attending. They're not proselytizing. They're meeting a vast need in our community and they're doing an excellent job of it. Sorry. Now, that's awesome. That's awesome. And guys, we're still the church. We're the church under the banner of church or we're the church under the banner of another nonprofit. We're still the church, right? Haven't compromised anything. We're just attacking, attacking something from a different angle. And so presentation matters, understanding the need matters. Um, and I'll say this about the this, this separate nonprofit thing. It brings in extra streams of income for your youth ministry. 
Now, I don't know if there's many of you that are like, man, I have a fat budget. I don't really need any more money. I can't figure out how to spend it. But when you set up a separate nonprofit organization, you open yourself up to grants in the community that are non-religious. You open yourself up to corporate donations, right? And, and people who are just in the community that want to support reaching teens, but don't want to give it to a church because they don't know what's going to happen with their money. Streams of income, more outreach. Anyway, uh, side note on that. Understand the need, number two, uh, time check real quick. I don't have to go quick. Where are we at? 46, okay, so check this out. Understand the need. Schools have campus improvement plans. They might call them something di different in your area, but find, dig on the website, find out every summer they go through, how are we gonna uh, tackle our issues? You gotta know what that is in your district. Figure that out, meet with principals, meet with folks, and learn. Because teachers have needs, parents have needs, but as a principal, whether the principal is a Christian or not, that principal has goals, personal goals, professional goals, they're trying to go somewhere. And so what I wanna do is I wanna come alongside the key decision makers and figure out what do you need to do? And in a, lot of t in a lot of cases, their funding comes from attendance. So they're trying to figure out how they keep kids in school, right? And so if I can position something like an after hours program that will keep kids wanting to stay in school, then I've come alongside and I've partnered them with them in their area of need. But I gotta understand what that need is to begin with. Um, so uh, five mile radius, draw a five mile radius around your church. Start asking yourself, what are the needs of kids in this area? For us, it was, there were a lot of low-income housing, at-risk, on a traditional latchkey, they got nowhere to go. But the other thing that was unique in our school district is that we had five suicides in one semester. Five suicides. Two middle schools and three high schoolers outside of, outside of Austin and Cedar Park. So mental health was a huge kind of, we need to figure this out. Right? And I know from the church perspective, we're like, they need Jesus. Of course we know they need Jesus, but we gotta come in and, and start addressing mental health, right? From a biblical perspective, using biblical wisdom, and say, hey, we got a solution. We can probably tackle that, help you with that. And so that's what we did. Uh, three, consider indirect partnerships. Who else in your community is serving the schools and how can you join with them? So, um, so examples, if you've got a kid truly at risk, skipping school, Here's the process. They're getting in trouble with the law. The process is this. The unchurched kid is getting sent to a judge, county judge. They get in front of the county judge and they usually get sentenced to community service hours, okay? And get a slap on the wrist. Unless it's really bad, and then they get sent to juvenile services, right? So you have three opportunities here, judge, Community, uh, community service and juvenile services. As a separate nonprofit organization, guess what we did? We partnered with all three. So now, when kids show up in front of the county judge, you know what happens? That judge court mandates they read throat punch normal. That judge court mandates they do community service at least some of their hours with Catalyst Teen Center. And then, if that doesn't work and they find themselves in the juvenile services system, guess who shows up? Catalyst shows up doing workshops with kids that are incarcerated, showing them identity, purpose, and belonging. And hey, when you get out of here, we're gonna be waiting for you on the other side. Partnerships. 
partnerships. And you don't have to do this alone, by the way. Like our after hours program, we have nine different churches at one high school represented. Nine different churches. So don't do this alone. That kind of goes into number four. Develop a plan, cast vision, but bring others with you. Begin with an end in mind. And, and, and man, if we can, I know our average tenure is like two years, but if we can build something that outlasts our tenure as youth pastor, legacy, that's awesome. We need that. And so I would encourage you to think about that so that when someone, when the, when the senior pastor is trying to fill your role, he's thinking, man, Dave did such a good job creating partnerships with the school, the county judges and all that stuff that when I'm hiring the next guy, I got to make sure that he understands part of his job is to work in these areas. You created something that outlives what you're doing. Uh, five, repurpose pop culture trends. Some of this is crazy stuff, but listen, this is where we kind of get go off script. Things like zombie walks, LARP fest, we, you know, um, open mic nights. When it comes to pop culture, we can either, you know, embrace it, run from it, or redeem it. We choose to redeem it. So we'll have LARP fest, live action role playing, Google it if you don't know what it is. Kids beat each other with foam swords. And guess what? We'll talk about spiritual warfare afterwards. We'll do a zombie walk every Halloween and we'll put on a big whiteboard, you know, tell us things that make you feel alive. Tell us what makes you feel alive. We're connecting. We're talking about life and death issues. We'll do open mic nights in coffee shops, you know, showcasing their gifts, talents. In Austin, there's 6th Street. You know, we, we've gone, and I'll go into this later in our 430 session, but we've gone and, and, um, and, and brought teams down to go pray on 6th Street on, Friday, on crowded Friday nights. Um, Cards Against Humanity, we filter that deck. Don't panic. We filter it, and then we use it in the after hours programs, and it works. They want to do it anyway. If you just filter the deck and take out all the bad stuff, it's just apples to apples. But they're in it because it's cards against humanity, right? And so it, it, it's, it's bonding, it's building, repurposing pop culture trends. Number six, um, using the three M's, create content for a specific niche, market, medium, and message. Who do I want to reach? How do I want to reach them? And what do I want to say to them? Uh, and, and this is not my, I don't want to do this, but I need to do this because we're in 2018 and we're a brand. We are a digital brand. If you use Facebook or Instagram, Instagram, whatever you use, you're a digital brand. And so I need whatever I want to communicate. If I want to reach unchurched teens, I got to figure out who I'm trying to reach, what I want to say, how do I want to say it, and I need to start pumping out content as a thought leader because that's a form of discipleship. I'm leading people digitally. I have to put more effort into who I am, how I'm leading people digitally because that connects. And then lastly, discipleship on a dime. Not, don't let money stop you. We didn't, we were broke, and it's not like we got a whole lot of money today either, but things like local mission trips really worked for us. Um, uh, launching free classes, we talked about that, the Academy of Awesome, we called it. Hosting music and open night, mic nights. Uh, offer success coaching. Like, every teen we encounter needs counseling, right? Like, none of them can afford it, and it's got a bad stigma to begin with. So offer something that's not counseling, that you don't need a counseling degree for, but is mentor-like. It's a mentor program. Call it success coaching, whatever you want to call it, but create it, offer it up to the community, and see how many single parents start calling you saying, 
oh, I need to get, can my kid meet with you? Can they come in? Can they connect one-on-one? I just need some positive influence in their life. Um, aligning your talents and passions. What are you good at? What do you do? For us, we love playing basketball. So we started up like a late night, Tuesday night basketball. And we were reaching, you know, kids, teens, young adults all over coming out to play basketball. Whether it's gaming, whatever your interest is, your hobby is, open it up. Open it up for the community around you and start connecting with people based on that, that hobby. These aren't things that, that uh, cost a lot of money. And so I'll leave you with this. I'm over time, but here's the thing. Here's what I'll leave you with. Ultimately, we look at the bell curve of innovation, early adopters, mid adopters, late adopters, and laggards. The church as a whole is historically late adopters to laggards. We are not innovators. We're like, we're talking about stuff at conferences like this that we should have been talking about 30 years ago. We're not ahead of the time. However, when we look and see what, where innovation from the church has come from, it's been in youth ministry. Think of D.L. Moody opening up re old abandoned bars and teaching kids how to read in the 1800s. Like innovation. It starts here. The things that we go out there and just get crazy and try, 20 years from now become the church standard. I wish we would move quicker. But man, I empower you guys to go out and be creative. Thank you so much for being a part of this session. I hope you found it valuable. Let's hook you up with some books and t-shirts. For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.